Playoff push is back on. Come on, we're all going to Wembley in May. That's where it's going. Hello everyone and welcome to the Brunton Bugle, your one-stop shop for all things Kalyanated. From Ian Bishop to Stuart Bell and Jeff Smith to Wes, Wes, Wes Saunders, we've got it covered. In today's episode, we're going to look back at two much-improved performances against Cambridge and Crawley, previewing the Easter weekend doubleheader against Southwind United and Scunthorpe United, and we'll also have a round of all the latest news, what X-Blue's been getting up to, and another little quiz at the end of the show as well. Uh, I'm joined on this episode by my regular co-host again. I think it's the third week in a row, isn't it, for both of them? Uh, Mike Booth and Dan McLennan. How's it going, lads? Yes, it's all right, isn't it? A little bit more positive now than than we were uh, last week, I think. Yeah, agreed. Uh, not not brilliant yet, but certainly an improvement. Big step in the right direction, I think it's fair definitely, to say. Definitely. Based on what we saw in the last two games. Uh, let's get straight into the news. Um, so. As as it's been the case for the last few weeks, not a massive amount to report, is there? But uh, one thing that has come out today, uh, well, this week, is that the EFL have published the latest figures of agent spends by each club. Uh, and United's figures are pretty low, actually. Um, we spent £39,360 on agents' fees in the last year, a small reduction on the previous year's spending. Uh, it puts us 14th in the table, um, I think well below the average for the division. I think the average is about fifty grand. Um, interestingly, the the bottom team in the division is Barrow, who've only spent thirteen thousand three hundred fifty nine pounds. Um, no, no shock who's top of the table in our division, though, is it, lads? <laughs> no, That's not really. Ridiculous, yeah. isn't it? How much they've spent? Like, Salford I'd City. Lo- I'd love us to have that much money just to spend on players. Never mind spending it on agents. Fees. I mean, one hundred thirty seven thousand eight hundred eighty four pounds. Salford City have spent on agents since February twenty twenty, and look what good it's done them so far. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but there you go. I mean, that, that's a manager's wage for a year. That is that, isn't it, for them as well? <laughs> um, <laughs> interestingly, the only team. Which, which manager? God knows. They've had enough for them, haven't they? Well, they, they, they've gone from the exciting ones to the underwhelming ones, though, haven't they? Yes. So, there you go. Um, only team in the FL who didn't spend a single penny on agents' fees during the period was Gillingham. Interesting that one, isn't it? Um, Mm. Particularly when you consider who their manager is, uh, no, no further comment on that. But um, <laughs> but I'm more interested. I mean, Paul Scally's still their chairman, isn't he, Dan? I think, and he's always been a bit of a railing against agents and things like that, isn't he? Yeah, he he's he's always been a little bit maverick, if that's the word, hasn't he? Yeah. So that's that's yeah. no but, real surprise. But I'm sure that David Holdsworth has had a quote at some point saying that we will not pay agents' fees. I don't know the exact wording that he said. <laughs> But, I, th- I think it would more be like we're not going to pay ridiculous agent fees and that. I mean, for mm. almost all contract renewal things like that, you've got to pay an agent's fee these days. No, it's, absolutely. It's yeah. not always signings and stuff. So, um, but yeah, the, the only other bit of news, uh, Dan, this is one for you to take away. It's about the next phase of the Warwick Road flags appeal. Yeah, uh, as listeners have probably seen and heard, uh, we had a little bit of a press day on Tuesday down at the ground uh all six flags have now been up for a couple of weeks and we we still have 800 pounds left so again we've contacted nigel clibbins at the club and we are now looking at putting some form of mural up in and around the ground uh we've got stephen dunn from the old fire station stroke carlisle city council on board who has sourced us an artist and we've got a meeting early next week where uh we're basically gonna plan this next page so keep your eyes out we'll uh we'll get some world-renowned street art hopefully around brunton park i presume we are agreed that it's going to be a a naked greek classical picture of ian stevens paul proudlock and mally poskett yeah it could well be it could well be 
can, o- can only hope, can't we? Um, all right, let's get into the match reviews and a nice little quick news bit there for this week. Um, so yeah, a couple of game, more games down. Um, three points out of six from these two. Um, but even from the defeat, got to say a much improved performance. So obviously the first game, Cal United 1, Cambridge United 2. And uh, the second game was Cal United 2, Crawley Town 0. Um, after a pretty rotten run of results, really was it a bit of a lift, wasn't it, to see the team playing a lot better than they have been doing, Mike? Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, we changed the system around, I think, more to accommodate Cambridge, who like to play a, a, a diamond. Um, and, you know, to be honest, I mean, Cambridge were very, very good, weren't they? I mean, I think yeah. Houlihan is probably the best player that I've seen play against us this season. He, he, even though he's getting on. time, I'd say. Yeah, he, he was just a level above, really, wasn't he? And. You know, there's not a lot of shame in losing to a team like that. And, you know, when we got the equaliser, you know, we half thought we could have maybe got a little bit more out of the game. And then obviously you get the, the sucker punch at, at the at the end. But it, it it was positive and it was it was nice to see as well, sort of, whilst well, so when we got the equaliser, obviously Torre came on at half-time, which is something that Beach hasn't <laughs> been doing, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously Alessandra came on on uh, 70 minutes and... It was them subs and sort of reverting back to the four three three. I think I think we did that that sort of changed the course of the game for for the better for us. Yeah, I know your thoughts were on it, Dan. Cambridge did that classic thing where teams that are going for the league grab the win in the last couple of minutes. Mm, uh, yeah. You know, I've, I've seen Carlisle do it in the mid nineties, the mid the mid zeros. You know, good teams will grind that result somehow, and I, I think if we if we sort of our BC before COVID form, it would probably finish one all because yeah. we've been been sort of on a a, a downer. That we've, we've we've had that sucker punch, but I, I would like to have played them this Saturday after having had a decent win midweek yeah. because I, I think we would have got the point, but. Never mind. You know, we we played well. First half, we, uh, let's be honest, we were probably outclassed a little bit first yeah. half. But uh, second half, we were more than a match for them. You know, we drew the second half one all, and you know we obviously took a bit bit of heart from that and uh, came out firing against Crawley. Yeah, I think the point you made there, Mike, about Wes Hulan is spot. I think he's the player that elevates Cambridge from a decent enough mid-table team. To a, a top class, you know, team that's going to challenge for the title. Similar yeah. in the way Michael Bridges did. To I was Australia. just going to say, very similar to mm. Bridges. Very similar to Bridges. Different sort of player and role, but he also brings the best out of someone like Paul Mullen. And I know he didn't set up the goal for Mullen, I don't think, but you can see that Mullen thrives on the fact that he's got someone like Houlihan supplying. And they've used him interestingly, haven't they? Because I was, I was reading about this. He only plays Saturday games. He never plays a midweek game for them. Mm. I think oh, I've not noticed that. There's a run of a, there's a run of about five or six weeks where he's played Saturday, not even been in the squad on the midweek game, and they were losing some of the midweek games as well. <laughs> so it just just goes to show you, doesn't it? I wonder if his legs just aren't up to it. I mean, he's 38 years old, isn't he? And from what Lummy was saying on the radio, and he'll probably have a bit more inside knowledge of this, he's not on a massive wage there. He's just yeah. playing because he enjoys it, and he you know he might be on his like 800 quid a week or something like that, might he just to tide him over and cover his expenses and just keep him happy and yeah, yeah. enjoying his football. But but yeah, I mean, like you said, Mike, no real disgrace in losing to uh, to Cambridge. Um, let's, let's, let's focus then on the Cambridge game first rather than before we go on to the uh, Crawley game. Um, do you think as well, we talk about who will have made the difference, but do you think having a natural goal scorer like Mullen in your team makes a big difference, Dan? Because... We look at our top goal scorers, Mellish on eight this season, and he's not scored for ages now. And Alessandra's the next nearest on seven, I think. And do you think that's the big difference between us and a lot of other teams this season? In that obviously we create a lot of chances, but we don't really have natural goal scoring there. Whereas Cambridge, you've got someone like Mullen who's going to take those chances when he gets them. It wasn't the easiest chance in the world for him either, was it? He, he, he took it so well for them. Yeah, it probably does. I mean, I'm, I've just mentioned a couple of successful Carlisle periods there. 94-95, we had Reeves up front. You know, we had Carl Hawley in 05-06, you know, players who scored goals because, mm. you know, I, and 
Yes, Alessandris. I think he's on about eight now in the league, but mm. he plays too deep to be considered a a striker, doesn't he? Mm. Yeah. So you know, if we could squeeze one more player on the pitch, <laughs> we would have a forward, wouldn't we? You know, but yeah. we'd have to give something up somewhere else around the pitch. Yeah, that, that's the problem, isn't it? If you, if you if you were to try and slot in a Mullin style play into our team, it would probably disrupt the flow a little bit because yeah. Alessandris such a good. He's almost he's a target man in a sense, but he's not a traditional target man in that he yeah, yeah. links play very well. Whereas Sanzala has shown himself to be a good target man. We'll discuss him. You, you, you'd bit, sort of, you'd sort of need to combine Alessandra and Mellish, wouldn't you, into some sort of super player, <laughs> so so you can yeah, play an out and out striker. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Um, if we're going to sort of try and focus on some of the positives game, let's sort of look at a slight negative. Nick Anderson, do you think he probably had probably one of his poorest games in a while, Mike? I mean. He's undoubtedly at fault for the first goal, um, and it wasn't particularly great on the second. Not a big surprise he was dropped after this game, was it? No, not really. It's interesting to to find out who um, starts on Saturday, really, because I think Armour put in a very good shift um, against Crawley. But, um, yeah, he, he maybe showed Mullen a bit too much of the goal for the goal. Um, you know, and you give a player like that a sight at goal and... There's only one thing he's going to do with it, isn't it, really? But, um, yeah, and MacDonald sort of was slightly at fault for, for that first goal as well, I think. I'm not so sure on the MacDonald one. I think it's one where he feels he has to go for it. And he, Anderton's much better positioned. He he can give him a shout and say, leave it because it's coming lower. Mm. I'll, I'll take it. Or, And I've heard a few people say, oh, if he hadn't flicked it on, then Mullen would be offside. Well, he still would be offside even if he had flicked it on because mm. he's been forced into the decision because the player's over behind him. So mm. I don't think he was offside, actually. Uh, and he's, there was still a lot to do as well, wasn't there? I mean, it's one of those ones, yeah, he maybe could deal a little better with the header. But for me, I think Anderton's probably the one who takes most of the blame for it. Yeah, and at the same time as well, if that was one of our strikers scoring that goal, we'd be saying, oh, he really did well to pressure the defenders mm. and he, it was a, an excellent finish, do you know what I mean? So yeah. you, you look for faults in your own team, don't you? But at the, at the same time, it was, it was just it was good play by Mullen, good to... Good of him to sort of you know keep hassling our defenders and you know we still had a bit to do like you say and it provided that finish as well. I think the the second goals it's hard to really tell who's the bone because the camera angle you can't really see who was meant to be tracking May's run into the box and mm. it's it's just frustrating isn't it that they get into that opportunity and I think was it Hulahan that set the goal up I can't remember now to be honest I think it, he got to the byline I think didn't it, he was definitely involved wasn't he Yeah he, he played a big part and it was a really good move from them to be fair but it just so frustrating late on, you think just get rid of the ball a couple of times there, but hey, uh, what can you do? Um, interesting, we, we we were banging on on the previous episode, weren't we, about changing formation and mixing up a little bit. Well, in one sense, fair play, Chris Beach did change it up. He changed formation for this game. First half, though, it, it didn't really work, did it, Dan? He, he played a diamond, but was the issue not so much the change to the formation, but the fact that there was a few players filling in roles there who weren't really suited to those roles, weren't they? Possibly, yeah. You know, I mean, it's off the top of my head, it's the first time we've we've utilised a diamond at the start of a game. You know, I mean, mm. Chris Beach is pretty rigid in his four-three-three. Uh, uh, yeah, a couple of them. You know, I mean, with Furman playing, guy was slightly not as deep. You know, we we weren't using the width as much. Yeah, it was disjointed. You know, I mean, if if we, you know, you you wonder how much how much chance they've had to train with it, given that we're playing mm. Saturday, Tuesday every week. You know that they won't be doing in depth training because they'll burn out. So. Yeah, I mean, my feeling was he played Mellish in the sort of the number ten role. They just didn't suit him for me. I felt mm. if he's going to do that formation, you, you put Alessandro in that midfield yeah, number ten definitely, role, definitely. then he would have excelled there probably. Well, he, he, even then, you don't have to go chopping and changing players in and out of the team. You could have had mm. that exact same starting eleven, and you could have just put Riley in that number ten role. And I think he he could have done a lot of damage yeah, there and possibly. Uh, had Mellish a bit deeper and you know been a nuisance in the middle of the park like he I can think, be. I think Mellish would have suited being a bit deeper in, the, in that formation because he can drive forward with the ball when he gets mm. it. And actually, Riley can do that as well. So it's one of those ones. You know they can do pretty well in that role. I think I would have probably preferred to have seen Furman a bit further forward and guys the deep in midfield if he was going to play that as well. Didn't really seem to suit us with those two the way around they did it. Um, 
but yeah, he, he did change it up second half. Brought Alessandro on, and he, he made an impact, didn't he? And he, you know, it's a scrappy goal, but we'll take it, won't we? Uh, at the time, and yeah, yeah I think we we've got to take the positive in this one, don't we? Because you look at the second half fight back, and actually, stats suggest we were the stronger team, weren't we? But differences mm. Cambridge were just much more efficient with the way they used the ball and took the chances, weren't they? Yeah, the, Cambridge had a, a glorious move in the first half as well, where they, they had it sort of down by our right back slot. Mm, yes, and they, they yeah, and they just did like a few like one touch passes, and they just tore us to shreds, and it deserved a goal. All at the end of it, I don't want to sound like I'm a Cambridge fan now, but honest to God, it was it was amazing to watch. Yeah, I think James got quite excited about that goal as well on the on the radio from uh, sorry goal that chance on the radio yeah. as well. Um, I think that's pretty much summed up the Cambridge game. Not a huge amount else to talk about. Just like I said, we take the positives out of it. And it's fair to say the team took the positives out of it for the Crawley game because it, it was much more like it, wasn't it? I know we all, people were focused on the Bradford game because Bradford were a decent side and we looked better against them the other week. But I think this was a lot closer to looking like the Carlisle team we saw before, the, the COVID and weather in force break, wasn't it, Dan? Yeah, uh, interestingly, Chris Beach, uh, on an article on the official site today, said that uh, you know they they all they all wear the vests for recording their exertions, and apparently it was the first time since Walsall that we've reached a similar sort of output, you know, for yeah. runs, energy, what whatever the measure, heartbeat rate, all that sort of stuff, and you know. Yes, it was two nil at half time. We we could easily have been three or four nil up by half time. Yeah. You know, I mean, Crawley were Crawley were as abysmal as the likes of Southend and Stevenage were up here. Well, you know what? You say that. I think Southend showed a little, a little bit of heart when we yeah, played against yeah, them. They yeah. were a good side, but they showed some heart and Stevenage yeah. as well, a little bit as well. Crawley looked like. People say, oh, they look like they haven't got off the bus. To me, it looked like they were still at Sharnock Richard Services. That's how bad yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah. They were bloody awful. I mean, I, I have to say as well, has a player ever looked more out of place alongside his teammates than Tom Nichols? He's the only player for them that turned up, and he looked... Honestly, if you put him in our team, I think we probably would have won that game by four mm. or five, at least, because he looked a quality player for them. The rest of them just didn't look interested at all, did they? The, the, the thing I don't understand as well is, after that game, we're 11th in the league on 51, Crawley are 12th on 51. If Crawley had won that game, they'd have been, they would have been ninth, three points from the playoffs. Yeah. But the, they literally played like they were already on the beach. Yeah, it was just it was baffling. I mean, Ashley Nenison looked at a shadow of the player that was with us. It was it was it was baffling, and you could see Nichols getting frustrated throughout the game, weren't you? Because he was showing all these great touches, and then none of his none of his teammates were shown for him, and that gave us, I think, a bit of encouragement because we could see he was a good player, but players around him just weren't at the same level, were they? Yeah, at all. Um, okay, yeah. Changes made to the team for this one. Um, Alessandra and Armour, very impressive, weren't they? I think the pair of them. Would you say, Mike? Mm. Yeah, but at the same time, I think they both benefited from being fresh, like you know, and having not played True. ninety minutes a few days early. Um, but yeah, no, they they both sort of look very good, and both certainly state the claim to be starting going forwards. Would you say that's our strongest eleven? Bearing in mind obviously the injuries to Coyote and Bennett at the moment, I think that's probably about the strong eleven as we can put out. I think you're probably right there. Yeah, I mean, it's weird, isn't it? The, the front three. Our strongest front three has changed so many times throughout the season. <laughs> it's mad, isn't it? um, yeah, but I, th- I think yeah, right now I'd certainly say that's the strongest eleven. And if if we go with that um, on Saturday, providing you know that everyone's fit and ready to go, we should be all right. Mm, definitely. Um, mentioned Armour there. Would you argue he's probably our first choice left back now, Dan over Anderton? Or is it, I do you would... think it's still quite tight. It's probably it's probably tight, but I don't think anyone would have any complaints or grumbles if Armour took the position and made it his. I, I, and I would think going into this is looking ahead a bit, but looking into next season, you know the the lads. It's, it's, he's only nineteen, eh? Yeah. He's still growing. Yeah. He's still he's he's a big strong lad. You know, he's, I mean, I know I've said a couple of times. I think eventually he might move more to the middle, but. You know, he's, he's he's took his opportunity. I know when he signed, he sort of said, you know, if I play similar to Mellish last season, if I play a few games, I'll I'll be happy, you know. And 
he's starting to, he's, he's past that point now isn't he oh yeah definitely I mean he, he, he's getting his chance in the team and Beach clearly trusts him to come in and, and do a job doesn't he and in, in comparison with Charters he's obviously similar age but he's probably not quite the same development level yet hence why he probably isn't getting his chances and Mellish is staying in the team a bit more often but what impressed me his energy he gets up and down and he uses the ball so well and he was putting good quality crosses into the box as well which is to be honest, the one thing I'd say about Anderton is you can put a decent ball in the box, but it's so infrequent. Whereas with Armour, it's generally a good ball almost every time, isn't it, I would say? Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, you mentioned his development and Charter's development. Armour had that loan spell at Lancaster, playing against bricklayers and plumbers and all the rest of it. Yeah. And I think that probably toughened him up and made him ready for league football. And maybe Charter's could... Uh, benefit from something similar? Yeah, he had a short spell at Workington, didn't he, Charters? But it wasn't particularly long and he had to mm. come back, didn't he, I think? I, 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 I think Charters would have benefited from... I know their season's only just started, but going somewhere like Annan for the half-season, mm. you know, just, just playing against proper players, toughening up a little bit, because he's undoubtedly got talent, Yeah, but he's he's not getting a chance to uh, I do develop... Wonder- I do wonder if he's a little bit above Annan's level now. Maybe that's mm. the only that's the only thing I think. Maybe there, um, it, it's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, he's clearly ahead of Josh Dixon now. I think Dixon's just been had rotten luck for the last few years, hasn't he, with injuries? And he's one of those ones. That, I mean, really, I'd love to see us give him another year, Dixon. It, it, it's strange because I, I was looking before, and um, what's his name? Who's at uh, Exeter? Matt Jay, who's scoring goals for them a lot this season. He's twenty five now. And he came through their youth setup, and he's only made ninety appearances. So they persevered mm. with him, basically, rather than just say after one year, if you're not made any appearances, we're going to bomb you off and you're out. They've actually Exeter with a few players. They've done that where they persevered them over a few years instead of just giving them that one year to try and prove themselves. I've, I hope I've, we'd start to do that. I really do. Yeah, I, I think also with the sort of wages the likes of Dixon and Charters are on, yeah, their two wages probably equal one player, yeah, developed player. So, yeah, give give him another year. But, well, both of them. I think Charters has one anyway, doesn't he? I think there might be an option with Charters. I'm not yeah. sure what Dixon's... Think, what we'll do is we'll we'll read up on all these contract situations for yeah. next episode because we mentioned yeah, we'll it a couple a of times, that. haven't we? Yeah, mm. definitely be worth a chat. Um, but, yeah, I, think, I just think Arm has been really impressive in the games he's come in recently. He's had a couple of tough games, I think, didn't he? I think just before he came out of the team recently... But to come back and put a performance like that in just shows how good a player he is. Um, as you mentioned there, Alessandro came in and was just, you know, Alessandro does a job, doesn't he? Uh, let's talk about the goals. Uh, first up, Joe Riley goal. Assist for David Mitchell there, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen anything like that at Burton Park before. You've seen, you've obviously seen the, um, was it the Tim Flowers one? Was it Stan Collymore scored, I think, against Blackburn? Mm. But I don't think I've ever seen that at Brunswick Park. Have you done? I, I, I wonder if either the keepers made some sort of mark and it's hit that. I know keepers aren't supposed to, but they all yeah. do. Or, you know, as one of the defenders put his foot through the ground sort of thing and mm. the keepers not noticed it to flatten it, you know. And, you know, it's just one of those things. Yeah, a little bit unlucky for Crawley, but... thing is, well, complaining. If, if the shot bounces and lands exactly where the slight divot is, that's when it goes off in some random direction, doesn't it? It's just, it could have landed, you know, two or three centimetres further forward and it would have been fine and it would have saved it. It just happened mm. to land in that one place where it, it bounced up and went over yeah. it. Um, Mike, you were very impressed with Joe Riley, weren't you? And generally, you're very impressed with him. You, you made a bold shot about him after the game, didn't you? Yeah, I firmly believe right now that he is the best player at the club. Because um, quite, quite often, League Two level, if you've got a player who's an absolute grafter, He's not very good at football, is he? There's, there's got to mm-hmm. be like some kind of compromise, but he's an absolute grafter and he's a fantastic player. Like there's, there's, there's no area that I would say maybe he needs a couple more goals, you know. But I think he's, he's great at passing, he's great at dribbling, he's, he's really aware when he gets the ball. He's, he's just brilliant at what, what he does, and I think, you know, I really, really hope that we can keep hold of him because I, I don't think he'll be playing at this level for very long. Strikes me, he's very grateful for the opportunity we've given him, though, because obviously he left Bradford and he'd barely played there. It was looking like his career was on a bit of a downward spiral, and we gave him the chance, didn't we? And 
Speaking of that, uh, I don't know if you noticed, on his Instagram, he uh, he put up a picture with Josh Wright, who was at an mm. audience until January. Yeah. And I know he had a, a bad injury a while back. I wondered if we've both uh, been, been at the same place, you know, at the same time for treatment and mm. sort of kept, they've obviously kept in touch and... Uh, you know, it's quite nice to see, you know. Yeah, it was good. I agree with you, Matt. I think he's been fantastic this season. And you mentioned before we started recording, a really good point. I think it is overlooked a lot, the fact that he's never played in midfield before. Mm. <laughs> this is the first time he's uh-huh. always been a fullback. He's always been a right-back prior to coming to us. Beach has clearly seen something before he came because he's not played him right-back at all for us, has he? He's played mm. the right wing a couple of times. I think, I think he's filled in a couple of times at right back late on yeah. sort of thing. But Yeah, but he's not started mm. a game there. And, yeah. And it, it is difficult to adapt to a new position like that if you've been so focused in your training on playing one position for so long. Mm. I mean, in compact, the difference you see with him and Mellish, and they're both players who both play in defence, have both moved into midfield now, and Beach has been responsible for that move. Mellish, and this is not a criticism, and he's come up obviously through Gator playing non-league football. There is a lot of you know, it's not overly technical at that level. There is a lot of kicking and, you know, <laughs> booting plays in the air and stuff like that, which I'm sure mm. John used to enjoy playing centre-back. <laughs> Whereas Joe Riley's come through the Manchester United Academy, hasn't he? And you see that mm. technical aspect to his game, don't you? And if you remember when we spoke to George Tanner on the interview special, he mentioned about how they have like a year where they play different positions. Yeah. You know, to, mm. to understand the role, to, you know, A, in case they they have to fill in and B, in, you know, in, in Tanner's case, he, he, he became a right back, didn't he? So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just to point out to you there, and just double check there, Josh Wright was actually at Bradford City a couple of years ago. That's right. probably where they know each other, I think. Yes, it? yes, that's right. It yeah. makes sense. Cause I, I, in my head, I was thinking, did he play for Bradford or not? I'm not sure. Cause I mean, Bradford yeah. had that many players in recent years. God knows who it <laughs> could have been anybody. Um, but yeah, and, and I agree with you, Mike. I think we need to make sure. I'm sure he's got an option in his contract, and I'm sure we'll yeah, he does. be tying him down for another year. But I think he has got a big future ahead of him. He's just, his energy, I, I don't think I've ever seen a player who keep running as much as he does for the whole game. Mm. I know mm. that Beach has always talked about the amount of running that Mellish does. And I think Mellish is different because Mellish is a taller player. He's got quite a rangy stride, hasn't he? So you don't, maybe mm. don't notice as much. Whereas Joe Riley with his little legs going mud. He just covered so much ground, and it was it was great to see him get another goal. And I think I'd like to see him take a few more set pieces as well. Actually, I think maybe you know mix it up a bit. I know Guy takes pretty much most of them, but it'd be nice to see Riley take a few. Um, Although that that's a massive positive that we haven't mentioned is that we seem to have stopped laying off free kicks. We're getting close as well. It, 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 it makes you yeah. think if you take him on a bit bloody sooner, we might have scored <laughs> at some point. But there yeah. you go. Um, Amari Patrick. Uh, look like he's getting back to his form, isn't he, Danny? Looks like he's been lifted a bit, and you know he loves a lot of shot from long range, doesn't he? he? Probably should score a few more of them, but what a cracking goal this one was, wasn't it? Yeah, and I, I think what's been forgotten in the, you know, obviously the talk at his strike, the work he did just prior to it to get into yeah. the shooting position. You know, he, he was sort of tussling, he kept hold of it, got turned round, and wallop. Yeah, he he, he just looks like it. His confidence just dipped a bit, didn't it, over the last month or two? But it looks like the last two or three games, he feels like he's got a bit more responsibility, doesn't he? He looks like he's really growing into that, doesn't he, Mike? Yeah, definitely. But I, I don't want to sound too negative here. But oh, you don't. <laughs> but no, I mean, for me, you I get a team like Crawley. You can't be depending on you know, the the ball hitting a divot in the ground and a thunderbolt from distance, you need to be creating, like, a load of chances. And it's not something that we really did. Uh, I mean, Zanzala had that amazing um, chance that pulled mm. where their keeper pulled off that amazing double save. Um, mm. But, yeah, it's just, I mean, because Crawley were awful, weren't they? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And and I, I, just, I just feel, I, I don't want to... I don't want it to paper over the cracks a bit, you know, but ho- hopefully it'll give the lads that confidence boost that they need and we can play with a little bit more freedom going forwards and and the shackles are off. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Zanzala there. I mean, the, the double save was incredible. But actually, I think what people missed, I, I need to see the GoPro footage to confirm that I'm right on this, but I think actually the keeper beat Zanzala to the second ball. 
I don't mm. think it was a case of Zanzala miss, missing the chance. I think he got up so quickly and he kicked the ball before Zanzala had a chance to get to it against Zanzala's leg. If you watch the way he kicks his leg, it looks to me like he got there first. Now, like I said, you need need to see the GoPro footage just to confirm that. But brilliant save from their keeper. He was like 38, isn't he? I think he's really very athletic to get mm. to that. Um, got to give a big shout out to Ozzy though, because I think last few games he's not... You know, he got his run of goals and everyone's getting very excited. But actually, last few games, been quite impressed with his all-round target man work, Danny. He looks like a player who's finally grasping how we play. And my God, he is a nuisance for centre-backs, isn't he? Yeah, I think, obviously, his first appearances, he was coming off the bench, etc. He wasn't up to speed. And obviously, he's a little bit different. You know, he wasn't really... We don't think he was affected by the COVID, etc. But... uh, you know, he sort of tapered away at crew, you know, so he, he's sort of had his own sort of pre-season, hasn't he? And, mm. you know, the, the way the way he's played the last half a dozen games, you would sign him up for next season. Oh, 100%. I, I, I definitely, yeah. I, I think, I can't remember if it was you that said it, Michael, or someone else, but he's the kind of player you can build a team around, can't you? As a target yeah. man up there, he really, and what, you'd imagine once he, you know, gets this season and then a full pre-season under his belt, he could come back absolutely flying next season. He really, really he, could. He, he, he reminds me of Harry Kane in some ways, in the mm. ways that, that he, he can like back into defenders and kind of make them have to foul him a little bit. Yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, like, Paulieski to our level, probably. For well, us. yeah, yeah, but he, he sort of like I mean, he'll have a little handful of their shirt, and he'll sort of you know he'll make them grab a bigger handful of his shirt and sort of pull them down. And I, I think you Cute know, to be the word, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think there's going to be some centre backs that are going to be absolutely whining at referees, like about him, like because he's just. I think he'd just be an absolute nightmare to play against. Definitely, I think we pretty much covered it all there for the uh, first half of the show, covering the uh, the match review stuff. Um, the key thing is now we've got to follow it up with two good performances against uh, Southend and Scunthorpe, haven't we? And we'll be uh, previewing those games in the second half of the show. So we'll be back in just a jiffy. Hi, this is George Tanner. You are listening to the Brunton Bugle. Thanks for that, George. Uh, we're back now for part two of the show where we'll be looking ahead to those games against Southend and Scunthorpe over the Easter weekend. Um, we've not got any bit of an opposition podcast this week because uh, I did message the two of them and they didn't get back to us. I've, I have a feeling the two podcasts we contacted are fairly infrequent in the amount of the recordings they do, so... It might just be they've just not seen it, basically. So we're hoping to get an, a, a Barrow fan or someone, a Barrow expert on at least, uh, next week ahead of the uh, the game down uh, the Cumbrian coast. Um, first up in these two games, Southend United. Dan, a bit gutting this, isn't it? Because this would have been a cracking away weekend, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would have, uh, especially if uh, the Carlisle Southend flights were still operating. It would have been very yeah. handy. But uh, no... Uh... You look at this game, you look at where Southend are in the league, you know, where little couple of green shoots from us midweek and we've got to look for a win here, haven't we? Absolutely. Mm. You've got to be targeting a win, don't you? Um, just before we briefly move on, I remember one of my first long-distance away trips was on a bus with you on Brian Hall's bus down <laughs> yeah. to Southend. Remember that? We got stuck on the, the M25 in the middle of a heatwave. Mike, it was disgusting on that bus like <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was like 25 oh, degrees the air, there was no air con because the were, bus wasn't moving there was no air coming in the bus uh, it was it was absolutely horrendous and I think we got there about 15-20 minutes before kickoff. Yeah, did yeah. we did we draw that one one one? I think Gordon Connolly scored. Seems po- like yeah, I think it was possibly the Connolly one. Yeah, was when, we, when, we, when, when we wore the white with the green and red. In fact, that would either be Connolly or would be it might be Ian Stevens actually. I remember yeah. him scoring against them. In that kit, but there you go. Um, yeah, so, Mike, I, I just feel like if we're going to be deadly serious about having a good go for the rest of the season, we've got to be targeting three points in this game, haven't we? We do, yeah, definitely. But someone put something up the other day of a, a home league table and an away league table, and we're actually <laughs> top of the home league table. But the away league table, we are absolutely awful this season. Yeah, we're not and I, 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 I didn't even sort of realise at the time that our away form has been particularly bad. But yeah, we've just been absolutely shocking, haven't we? But this is the game that 
regardless of that, we ha- we have to go and, and act like the home team and try and take take the game to them in in this one. I, mean, I remember that we played them quite early on in the season. It was the game where a thousand fans were allowed into Brunton Park and we beat them two 0 thanks to goals from Josh Coyote and Amari Patrick. Dan, thinking back to that game, I mean, Southam were bloody awful that day, weren't they? Really, they they looked desperate and. It wasn't really a massive surprise that they only picked two points up in the first eleven games, was it? Yeah, they were they were a mess, weren't they? You know, I mean, fair play to them. The team they had out, they, they did have a little bit of heart. They did try, yeah. but they just simply weren't good enough, were they? You know, yeah, but, but they've, they've 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 improved a fair bit since then. And uh, we discussed the fact that it was a bit weird that they gave their manager a three-year contract, Mark Mosley, but mm. they seem to have a bit of faith in him. And since they've sorted the off-the-field problems, Mike, they. They've got a few experienced players in, haven't they? And they, they look like they're giving themselves a fighting chance of getting away from trouble, aren't they? It's been difficult because they're not losing games, but they're not winning them either. They're drawing too many games, and that's what's killing them right now. Yeah, but well, one of the uh, experienced heads, if you can call him that, is Nile Ranger. Obviously, well, he'd the ball. Back, I think you'd call him, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm not entirely sure he's the kind of player that you want. Uh, Getting you out of the trenches of a relegation well, battle. He's injured, but... isn't he? Oh, he's is really playing. He got, he got sub appearance. Yeah. He got injured last week. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, out out for the season. I think they said he's out for the season. I didn't even know. Yeah. That. That's flying. <laughs> That's rotten luck, isn't it? I mean, I remember it. I remember hearing when he was at Blackpool. Neil McDonald was manager, and he just didn't like him at all. And his contract was heavily like appearance based and stuff, and. I think he was only on like a hundred quid a week, but he had like a a grand appearance fee. And McDonald said like you were never going to play, but you still have to drive to training every every day. Otherwise, I'll dock your wages. So and it, it's actually costing him money to get to training. Like he was losing money. Yeah. I've actually looked it up. He came on as a sub in the seventy seventh minute in a game against Salford, and then had to be subbed on the eighty ninth minute. And he's out for the season because of that. Bloody hell, that's just rotten luck, isn't it? Mm. There you go. But yeah, I mean, some of the other experienced players they brought in, they brought in, I mean, decent players for this level, maybe getting on a little bit, and obviously they might not be up to match fitness levels, but Ricky Holmes, Jacob Mellis, and Greg Halford, they're, they're pretty decent names them, Don, aren't they? Yeah, there's, you know, they've got, they've got one or two decent uh, players, you know. It's, I'd, I'd like to see them stay up, <laughs> I couldn't give a toss about Grimsby, you know. <laughs> Nobody likes going to Grimsby. It's a all, to be quite honest. Pardon my French. You know, at least at least South End, you can go down the pier and, you know, go and see Jamie Oliver cooking in his little hut and that. You know, I think obviously at Barrow's expense, please. And well, I actually think I'd rather Colchester went down to Venice because it's a pain in the ass to get to. So. But there you go. Um, more on them in, in a bit, actually, though. We'll, we'll talk about that. Um, yeah, so they, they seem to think quite highly of Molesy. He was quite well thought of the job he did at Weymouth. So clearly he's one, whether they go down or not, it looks like they're going to stand by him, don't they, and let him rebuild the squad because they've, they've been a mess for a few years now, haven't they, Dan? Yeah, yeah. They've, you know, they've, they've, a mess sums it up, doesn't it? They've, they've had off-field trouble. They've been meant to be getting a new stadium built for that's several years. That's about 25 years, years that's what I, mean, I, I remember they were talking about. It's Fawcett's Farm, isn't it? They were talking about that in 2000 when we went down there for that game. Yeah. I'm sure they were. And it's, just, you know, they've just sort of lurched from one, the Sol Campbell reign, well, I wouldn't call it a reign last season. Yeah. You know, the one about one game under him. Yeah. But I mean, they've even, been up to even, the... even though he should have every job he goes for. I mean, they've been up to the championship two or three times, though, haven't they? I'm sure in the last like couple of decades so they were a decent sized championship club weren't they yeah they, yeah so, back yeah. in the day yeah i mean th- mm. if they had the new ground they would get good crowds there's a there's a massive catchment area for them there because mm. I, mean, I know a lot of them going for to west ham don't they but yeah the west, west ham is a problem isn't it yeah but in terms of affordability if they made it affordable they could get good crowds there couldn't yeah, they? yeah definitely definitely it's a real shame how they've been run really in recent times but like you said that they're proving hard to beat of late, but they just haven't got the firepower to win games. Their top scorer is defender Tom Clifford, and he's got three goals in the league this season. Yeah. That, that tells you all you need yeah. to know, really, doesn't mm. it, in terms of how bad they've been. Um, okay, well, let's move on then to Scunthorpe. It, it looked like a similar story for them at the start of the season, didn't it, Mike? I mean, they beat mm. us early on, but their form was appalling for a long period. I think they, in League and Cup, I think they went 
about 11 games, something like eight or nine games, I think, losing before mm-hmm. they picked up a couple of wins. And they've just about dragged themselves out of trouble now, haven't they? I think it's fair to say. Yeah, I think so. I th- there's c- certainly other teams that I would uh, pencil in for relegation ahead of them. Uh, Ryan Loft seems to have, have scored quite a few goals for them. I th- think every time we mention the former Blues, he seems to be uh, yeah. one of them scoring goals there. So, yeah, I think I think off the two games, I'm certainly more wary of uh, Scunthorpe than than Southend. Mm. Um, he scored eight. I've just looked it up. Yeah. yeah. Decent return for him, to be fair. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, it's a bit of a transitional season for them, isn't it? I mean, the, the, the last couple of decades, they've had a relative decent level of success, haven't they, Dan? They've they've been up to the championship a couple of times and generally been a solid League One club, haven't they? They've only really been back down to League Two a couple of times, but it seems like the money sort of ran out a little bit in the last couple of years and they've they've tried to do it a little bit cheaper, haven't they? Yeah, which which makes talk of the fact that they they too were looking at another new ground, slightly bizarre. Yeah, I mean they've they've only been at Glanford Park for what for 20, 25, years, 30 roughly. years, about, yeah. about thirty years. Yeah, yeah, but it's interesting though because anyone who's been to Glanford Park can tell you, although it's a relatively new stadium, it it's not a great stadium to watch football in, is it? Really, it is the epitome of the the biscuit tin design that mm. people berate these days and. They the facilities. I mean, you, you, there's barely any leg room behind the goal. There's no concourse space behind the the away end either. And I, as someone who's been in the home end as well, when I've been in the press box there, the facilities are, are basic at best. They've got yeah. some boxes at the top, but clearly, it's commercial income is what they'll be targeting when it from a new ground, yeah. I guess, and a push. And mm. I, I suppose I don't know exactly where the new ground would be, but I'm guessing it might be prime retail land that they're sitting on right now I guess I don't think it was too far away from where yeah. the current one is because mm. with it being so out of town it would uh, yeah I've only yeah. to be honest I've only ever driven there before we drove a couple of years ago when funny enough it's Ryan Loft scored miles like, from the train station mm. miles yeah, it's, yeah. it's a long way isn't it yeah my, it, my, highlight, my highlight from that game was uh, someone spe- said to us at half time oh we should maybe bring that uh, Elias Sorensen on but he'd been playing for the first half. And he, <laughs> like, but he was that anonymous. Is that one of only two league starts for us, I think? Yeah, I don't yeah. actually think he touched the ball either in, in that was, half. He was dire. There was a lad who was you know, stealing a living. Um, yeah, they, I mean, there was a real sort of worry about danger of relegation the first few months. But I think they've had a couple of good runs that sort of pulled them. And they're only about six points below us now, I think they say. You'd, you'd imagine they're probably just about... because. Not all the teams below them are going to go on brilliant runs to get close to them, I think. So I'd say one more win and they're definitely safe, Scunthorpe. Um, I think the key turning point for them, though, was probably the arrival of George Taft in January. I mean, we I initially po- I pointed him out in the pre-season preview, actually, as a, a good signing for Bolton as a defender that knows this level because they brought him in from Cambridge. It didn't work out from a Bolton, but he seems to have had a good impact there, doesn't he, Dan? Yeah, ta- ta- well, Taft's a decent player, isn't he? You know, yeah. he's... Uh... He's obviously, you know, raised the game of a couple around him. You know, I mean, yeah. let's be honest, he's the sort of player you'd have at Carlisle, quite happily. Yeah, good good defender at this level. He's played here for this level for quite a while now. He's, is, is he injured at the moment? Uh, I'm not 100% on that one. He's, he's, he's missed the last few games. Yeah, yes, he, we went off after six minutes against Cheltenham. Oh, well, there you go. So, I put him down as a danger man for this game. <laughs> so he's not going to be much yeah. of a danger, is he? Yeah. There you go. Um They've only lost three of the last 13 games and they've won six, got six wins in that time as well. So they've, they've really dragged themselves away in this last you know quarter of the season or so, haven't yeah. they really? Was, was it me who, who suggested that they could struggle this season? Uh, possibly. I think you might yeah. have talked me around to it because I think originally I Crawley's a struggler. Or yeah. did I put Crawley's a struggling in? I can't remember anyway. But I, had, I think you might have been the one who tried to convince us all that Scunthorpe were going to struggle, which we were right yeah. at first. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, but uh, they've, they've managed to turn it a bit. But it seems a tr- transitional season and similar to Southend, they seem to have a bit of faith in Neil Cox turning them around and giving him time to, to rebuild things. I think he only arrived at the start of August, didn't he, Mike? I think he, he didn't have really have a pre-season <coughs> ever compared against mm. other managers. So, so yeah, I think it's it's one of those ones, isn't it? He just needs a bit of time to get them right. And you mentioned, obviously, there, Ryan Lotter, but there's two more ex-Blues in their squad in Alex Gilead and Olafero Olomola. I think Olomola's been injured for most of the season. I think he came on as a sub in the last game. But um, 
Gilead's attracting a bit of attention, isn't he? I think from League One clubs, I seem to remember mm. reading that. He's, he's, I wonder if he's learned how not to uh, bottle a tackle yet. Well, they're playing him mm. centre midfield, aren't they? So they, he must have at least toughened himself up a little bit. Yeah, they've had him as captain as well, so he clearly grown up a bit. I mean, you could see he had ability, couldn't you, when he came to us? His problem was he just didn't really want to be fighting really much for his yeah. place, was he? That, that was the mm. biggest problem. Um, yeah, and Kevin Van Veen up front for them as well is always a player who's going to be a big threat, isn't he? I think he's one that's uh, always been decent this level. Um, Move on to United's team news. Uh, probably not going to risk Josh Coyote, you reckon, for this game, Dan? I, I reckon they probably wait till after the Easter weekend, I'd, I'd think, at least, yeah. for this one. He, he went on international duty of Ireland, but didn't feature in the under-21 game. I think he was the only, the only one who wasn't named in the team and subs yeah, so out of the squad. Yeah. Uh, Danny Devine did come back in that reserve game the other day, but Beach has now said, hasn't he, that he's not probably going to feature in the next couple of games, at least. I think they're going to ease him back in I think was the was the long term aim I think um, looking at this as well I've seen Morgan Feeney could be a couple of weeks away from playing in a reserve game possibly um, but Jamie Armstrong with his ankle and Reese Bennett and Brennan Dickinson with knee injuries are probably going to be out for the rest of the season now aren't they by the looks of things mm. bit of a shame that one um, ok predictions come on then Dan you up first 2-0 2-0 oh boom right in there Goal scorers. Don't care. Win, win. You've got to pick goal scorers. That's the rules in this. Farman, two. Twice. Farman, two. Twice. Don't care who scores. Okay. Let's, get, let's get two wins and two let, let's gate crash these playoffs. Great stuff. All right, Mikey, you can be a bit more sensible and give me a goal scorer as well if you want. Uh, on. I'm, I'm going to go 4 0, 1 0. Oh. And, yeah, and I'm going to go for Alessandra to get a brace um, in the first one. And then well, he's not going to get a brace in a one nil policy. Well, obviously. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then the other one, I reckon, a sweaty Reese Bennett goal off a corner. Reese Bennett's injured for the rest of the season. Did I say Reese Bennett? <laughs> yes, I meant did. Uh, Aaron Hayden. <laughs> Aaron Hayden. Okay, fair enough. All right. Well, I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go 4 0 against South Venezuela. Yeah, I agree. I think we're just going to be bouncing and we're going to batter them. And we're going to. Last time we did this, Mike, though, we looked a bit stupid because I think I said against Harrogate, didn't we? And we yeah. ended up losing that one 1 0. But anyway, I'm sticking by it. I'm going to be. You know, Chris Beach wants us to be positive. We're going to be positive, aren't we? We're going to go for wins. Yeah. So 4 0 win. Uh, Zanzala hat trick. And uh, John Mellish finally is going to get a goal after God knows how long. And the second one, 2 1. And. Um, Oh, I'm going to go with goals from Amari Patrick and Joe Riley. Why not? Let's have them two again. Um, and probably Ryan Loft will get the other goal, just the way it'll go. Uh, yeah, and that's it for our predictions. Okay, let's move on to the X-Files. Dan, you're going to round us up through this? Yeah, uh, goals on Saturday for Ashley Nadison, uh, Andy Cook, Jerry Yates got another. Yeah. Paddy Madden scored for Stockport. I think that was his first, first goal, goal yeah. there. And a classic in the conference, Angelo Balanta. Ah, brilliant stuff. Yeah, and uh, we've got a few few sort of ex-players, etc. Uh, former Loney from earlier in the season, Micah Obiero, has gone out to Halifax for a bit of football. Yeah. Obviously, with it being past the uh, January window, he can only go to non-league. Yeah. Uh, David Hopkin, who very nearly became manager here the other year, is hailing his capture of talented Josh Todd. Mm. at uh, Air United uh, saying he's a cracking player he's got plenty of experience at that level and uh, he's looking to set the Scottish Championship alight he's scored a lot of uh, goals in Scotland hasn't he oh, no, sorry, sorry he played a lot of games in Scotland at a decent level hasn't he I think from what yeah, yeah he's, he's probably played yeah. a good 200 games I would say yeah. He's, yeah. He's, he's had a good career for himself and I think he was a bit unlucky with us in that we had so many good midfield, centre midfield yeah, at that time yeah. he was never really going to get a chance he would probably have walked into our team these days yeah Definitely, yeah. definitely, yeah. Uh, everyone's favourite pantomime, pantomime villain from last season, Harry McCurdy, has been brought back into the Port Vale squad list mm. after Zach Mills was ruled out for the rest of the season. So, uh, can't see him play much though, still. Although, yeah. I'd say new manager there, isn't it? Daryl Clark, so he might get a chance there now. Yeah, yeah. Possibly. Maybe, and yeah. Uh, the other one, uh, Dean Buzaznis, who yes. was once on our books as a keeper. Is on the threshold of history, according to an Australian article. 
his move from the A-League's Melbourne City to Sutton United was deemed a bit of a step back, but he's having the last laugh as Sutton are in a strong position to yeah, come up they? from the National League. So, yeah. I'm yeah. just checking my list. I think I think that's it for the uh, round-up. Uh, one other, which is not right, it's not Carlisle-related, but uh, we're going to mention Paul Tisdale has gone in at Colchester mm. as... As the experienced head, shall we say? Yeah, to support he's, head. He's not. He's, he? he's not manager. He's not a director of football. He's wink, just wink. <laughs> a glorified right hand man. He's like the, he's like the Terry Venables to Brian Robson when he was at uh, Middlesbrough, isn't it? He's not the yeah. manager. Wink, wink. But he effectively yeah. is day of the job, isn't he? Yeah. But uh, yeah, oh, interesting. Good round up there, Dan. I mean, you, you mentioned Sutton there. I mean, next season if we didn't go up, it wouldn't be a bad away day. That one. I think there's a direct train isn't it, from St Pancras. Down to where Sutton is, I think. So, be a nice, uh, handy little trip to London potentially. Ho- hopefully not, though. Hopefully, we'll be in uh, League One, but we'll have to wait and see. Okay, lads, it's quiz time. Yes, and, th- and this time I've actually prepared the players and wrote down the number of clubs they've played for and all the details I actually need. <laughs> Unbelievably organised by me. So, uh, if anyone hasn't listened before, basically it's a game that I stole from the Football Ramble podcast, but giving it a Cal United twist. So, basically, what I do is I name a cut of players play for Cal United. And what I want Mike or Dan to do is to bid the number of clubs that they think they can guess that they've played for. I'll tell them the total number. They have to say, let's say it was, I don't know, um, Vincent Pericard. We've done him before. It's seven clubs. If Mike said, oh, I can guess three, and then Dan said four, Mike either has to go for five, or he says, Dan, you name them. And then Dan has to name them. If he names them all, he gets the point, and we move on to the next player. So very simple. You'll get it as we go along anyway. Uh First off for this week, uh, and Mike, you'll go first again because you've still not won uh, one of these yet. So there you go. Thanks. It's just a rub in. So the first player, I've, kept, I've kept, them more, kept them more recent this time to make it a bit easier for you, I think. Uh, first player up, he's played for seven clubs other than Carlisle. He's still playing. It's Mike Jones. How many of the seven clubs Mike Jones has played for can you name? Because uh, oh, he was at one of them for a, for a good while, wasn't he? Um I'll go for four. Oh, it's a strong opening bid, that. Strong mm. opening bid. Dan, can you name five or more? Yeah, I reckon I can for five. Five. Are you going to make him name his five, Mike, yeah. or are you going to... Yeah, know. go on. Right. So, Mike, uh, sorry, uh, Dan, let me, let me get ready. I need to get on me a little uh, button thing here. So, okay. Five clubs Mike Jones has played for, one at a time. Obviously, he's been a bad all this season. That's correct. And he came to us from Oldham. Correct. And he went there from Crawley, if I'm not mistaken. He did indeed. He played alongside Nicky Adams there as well, I think. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Uh, He had a short spell. People forget this. It's Sheffield Wednesday. He did indeed. He moved. He moved. He had a big move for them from another club. Who 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 no longer exist in Berry. Well, technically, I think technically. They do exist in a legal sense for <laughs> arguments, but... but they haven't got a league, yeah. have they? In no. That sense. But there you go. So that, that was five of the seven. Well done there, Dan. It's one nil to you. Uh, the other two you didn't get. He started his career at Tramier Rovers, but he also yeah. had a spell on loan at Shrewsbury Town from Tramier. Right, right. To the start of his career. You, I think he started out as a winger, didn't he, at uh, Tramier, from what I remember. I think it was only when it, he sort of got to Oldham that he got moved to centre mid. He played on the wing for Oldham quite a bit as well. Yeah, I think at Oldham they moved him to centre mid, I think, towards the end, mm. so... There you go. Okay, that's a one nil to Dan. Uh, up next, Dan, I've picked this one especially for you. So uh, you've got to name one of the 10 clubs, or say how many of the 10 clubs you can name that Billy Painter played for. Oh, yeah, this is a so, good one. This is a good one. How many of the 10 clubs that Billy Painter played for do you reckon you I'm can I'm one name? of the few people who liked Billy Painter at Carlisle. <laughs> Ooh, let me think. I can think of where he went, where he came from. A couple of his bigger moves. I will start with five. Mm, five's quite oh, strong. I reckon I could probably get more if I really think about it. Mm. Mike, how many are you going to bid? Or are you going to make Dan name them? I'm going to try and beat him, and I'm going to go for six. Six. Dan, are you going to make him name them, or are mm. you going to have a go Name yourself? them. Name them, Michael. Right. Come on then, Mike. Right. One at a time, well, Obviously, he left us for Hartlepool. That's correct. 
and he joined us uh, from Doncaster. That is correct as well, it's two. But now this is where I'm going to... Well, I'm, I'm trying to do it in sort of a chronological order to a degree. But I'm sure that when he was at Doncaster, he had a loan spell. And I think he, I think he might have had a couple of loan spells. But it's one of the Sheffield clubs. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to punt uh, United. Correct. And That's obviously... Free. Um, Swindon. There you go, that's four. Leeds. Five, you just need one more. And I think he started at Port Vale, didn't he? That's your six, well done. There There you go. So yeah, he started his career at Port Vale, as you mentioned there. Uh, He then had a loan move and then a permanent move to Hull City. Didn't actually stay that long. You then went to Southend United. I completely forgot he was at Southend for a No, I, I I remembered that. Uh, he didn't play many games for them, though, did he? No, no, he had a loan spell from there at Bradford. Then he went to Swindon, then to Leeds. Then he had a loan spell at Brighton from Leeds. Um, then joined Doncaster Rovers. Loan spell at Sheffield United. Came to us and then obviously went to Hartlepool United. So yeah, that's 1-1 one, one after two. Ooh, it's exciting this week, isn't it? The, hey? delish, the delicious irony... That a goal from Billy Painter and Gary Dicker kept <laughs> us in the league under Keith Curl. Yeah. Mm. Interesting, that one, isn't it's it? a funny old game. Yeah, it is indeed. Okay, next up, uh, he's played two low, sorry, two spells with us. He started his career with us, coming through the academy. Scott Doby played for six other clubs other than Carl United. Remember, I want professional clubs here, and that could be as long as they, you know, it's a, it, it's what you call considered professional levels in that country. So, six clubs Scott Derby played for. Mike, you're up first with your bid. How many can you name? Uh, I think four. Ooh, four. That's a strong opening bid. He has to have played a game for them, by the way, as well. Because technically it would be seven, but he didn't play for one of the clubs he was at, so I'm not including that one. So that's I'll, 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 I'll say a confident five. Confident five, ooh. Can you name all six, Mike? Are you going to make Dan name them? I'll make Dan do it. Okay, Dan. Right. He had a loan spell at Clydebank from Carlisle. Great. Well, that, that is a brilliant one. That's a brilliant one to pull out the and bag straight he, away. At the time, he was actually looked as though he'd be headed out Carlisle from memory. There was talk he was going to go there permanently, wasn't there, I think? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we sold him to West Brom. Correct. And he went to Millwall from West Brom. He sold him for a decent fee to Millwall as well. He made, he made some yeah, big yeah. fees in his time, yeah. And he went to Nottingham Forest before he came back to us. That's correct. And after he left us, he went back to Scotland. And I've got two teams in my head. Ooh. And I'm going to say St. Johnston. You're definitely saying St. Johnston. Yeah, yeah. St. Johnston. He's right. Yes. Well done. For some reason, I had Inverness in my head as well. No, 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 no. There you go. No, yeah, you're, you're correct. You pretty much read it correctly there. The only one you didn't have was you had a loan spell at Bradford from St. Johnston as well. Uh, and oh, he yeah. Did, uh, you know what? I completely forgot about that. Yeah, you had a loan spell from Bradford. Uh, he did also go to York City at the end of his career, but he never made a first-time appearance with them. And he retired not long after. Um, yeah, one of those plays, I think we... Criminally underrated by us when we sold him. 125 grand is what we got for him. Should really have got better money in my opinion, but there you go. Okay, uh, that's two ones done then so far. So up next, uh, Dan, you're going to go first on this one again in terms of your bids. Play for seven other clubs other than us. I think he's still playing. It's James Chester. How many of James Chester's seven clubs that he made an appearance for can you name? I like James Chester as a player. I thought he was a cracking player. Mm. Mm. Uh, now a lot of this depends on whether he made an appearance <laughs> for his first team, doesn't it? Mm, it? Does is it league only? Or are we including the various cups? I include the cups. I'll take a gamble on all seven then. Oh my word, Mike! You can't outbid that. <laughs> ah, exactly, I can't. You can't outbid no. it. He's potentially just going to wrap it up in one go. So, yeah. come on then, Dan. Let's have your uh, your thing. I'm going to take the gamble that he made at least one appearance for Manchester United. I don't know if he did or not, but... Ooh, did he? 
Yes. Yes, he did. One yeah. League Cup appearance. I think it was a sub, actually. So, yeah. And he, we were, he went on loan elsewhere, apart from us, when he was at Man United, because I'm pretty sure he went to Peterborough. Um, I yeah. wonder if if maybe that Duncan, Ferg- uh, Duncan I think that Ferguson... Was, yeah. Darren. Darren Ferguson was there yeah, at the time. I think that was good. And not many people realise this, but the year before he joined us, he actually went to Plymouth. He did. He did. I think he did his cruciate ligament, didn't he? I think. Yeah, yeah. When I he think he got injured there. Yeah. 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 Obviously, he went from us to Hull because he got pulled out of Tranmere that day. Mm-hmm. He had a short spell at West Brom. Yeah. Then he had probably his joint more successful time. He was at Aston Villa as they were coming back up. Yeah. And he's at Stoke City now. The buzz is back. We're all excited. <laughs> Dan's one again. There's only one United. The world is watching this football team. Because I don't say what I don't mean. There you go, Dan. Well done. Free one. Lead we'll, we'll, we'll play the final one in a minute, but yeah, naming all seven, well done to you. Um, yeah, you got it pretty much bang on there, to be honest. Um, he, I think he had a loan spell at Villa first, I think, before. Or was it a loan spell at Stoke, I think, before he signed permanently for them? He's made over £20 million in fees during his career. I didn't realise that until I was looking he, it up. He's, he's been unlucky with injury a couple of times yeah. as well, hasn't he? You know, Very he's... unlucky, to be fair. I mean, I think he, probably, he would have had a decent time to play in some games for United, I think, if he hadn't. That's just bad luck of injuries. In these, uh, I think it's one of them as well. Well, it's just because he's only like five nine, five ten, yeah. maybe. And I think if he was like six three, six four, he could well have played for one of the top teams, I think. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Played well, yeah, a few got... games for Wales as well, hasn't he? Yeah, he has done, mm. to be fair. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's complete the set. Let's see if you can make it a respectable free two, Mike. Um, you've got the first bid on this one as well. Uh, he played for. Seven clubs other than us. Uh, two of them you might struggle a little bit to get, but let's see. Um, it's Richie Foran. Richie Ooh. Foran. Seven Ooh. clubs he played for other than us. Uh, Interesting. Ooh. I think I can only get three. Only get three. Okay, Dan, mm. do you reckon you can do more than three? Uh, are we including teams in other countries? Well, yeah, we included Scotland, didn't we? So yeah, yeah, right. I will say then has to have made an appearance for these teams as well. Actually, I should say I'll go for five. Ooh, okay, I don't think you're going to be five, are you? Mike? <laughs> quite sad no, things. I could have maybe got to five at a stretch, but yeah. no. Okay, Dan, n- name your five of the seven. Has to have made a first team appearance for them as well. He start. I'll. I'll it's not really giving a clue, but he started his club at a career, but never made an appearance for them, so they don't count. Well, he was playing for Shelbourne when he came to us. That's correct. And he had a loan spell at Oxford from us. That's right as well. Uh, he then went to Motherwell from us, didn't he? Yeah, that's free. And he obviously stayed several years at Callie Fissle. Four. And he played... Was it Darlington? It's correct. Yeah. Got it. There you go. That's your five. Well done. Yeah. I've, I've just thought of another now because Dar- Darlington was alone, wasn't it? From Southend. Southend, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, funny enough, Southend. Yeah. But he, I think he actually did sign permanently for Darlington after the Lonesville. The, the one you didn't get... Can you name it? Can you have a guess? I'm going to guess some Irish team. Yes, it's uh, an Irish team. Oh, I've absolutely no idea. He had a loan it spell. Won't, it, won't, it won't be Bohemians because he's a Shelbourne yeah. man. Yeah. I know that much, but yeah. uh, Brigida, I'd a guess. <laughs> no, he, was, he had a loan spell at Home Farm. Ah, Shelbourne. Home Farm. Not Home Farm Everton, because they dropped the Everton part of the name by that point. So, uh, yeah. Home Farm, that was in 1999. He did start his career at St. Patrick's Athletic, but he never made an appearance for them. So that wouldn't have counted. So there you go. Well, there you go, guys. So Dan's the 4-1 winner. A bit close this time, though, I think. You know, a decent contest, that. 
No, they'll take that I'm, in. I'm, I'm just a sad stator, though, aren't I? So. You said it. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, lads, thanks once again for joining me. Really appreciate it. Uh, busy uh, Easter weekend coming up football-wise, isn't there? Obviously a bit different for us on the Saturday and the uh, Tuesday, but it's good, actually, in a sense, because we'll, we'll know what we'll, we need to do. We'll know what we need we? to do, won't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It'll mm. be good. It'll be good. Well, we just need to win, basically, don't we? So yeah. that's the way it is at the moment. So uh, that's it for this week. Um, if you've got any comments or feedback or anything you'd like to suggest we discuss, please send them in via Twitter to at Brunton Bugle or by email to bruntonbugle at gmail.com. If you haven't already, please remember you can subscribe to the podcast via all good podcast apps, including ACAS, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, basically anywhere you can subscribe to a podcast, give it a try. We'll probably be on there. Um, and if, if, not, we're, if we're not, give us a shout and we'll try and sort it. Exactly. We've, we've managed to do that a few times recently. Um, we're hoping to line up a few uh, more specials soon. That special I did with Dan should be coming up soon. Um, I just need to put some bits together for that. Um, we're hoping as well to get a, couple, a former player on very soon. Yeah, we've we've, we've, we've we've got a couple we've been in touch with. It's just a matter of uh, tying them down to dates and whatnot. But uh, the the two that we sort of touch base with, they'll, they'll be enjoyed by you also. Definitely, definitely. Um, in terms of the world map, I'm just having a quick look here. I don't think we've got any new countries at the moment. It's looking very much the same. We've still got four listen, uh, regular listeners in uh, Luxembourg. Well, not four listeners, but four listens in last week or so. So still got some listeners out there. Yeah, no no new countries there. So as you were, I guess. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday, Thursday next week, probably to record and be out before the weekend ahead of the big game against Barrow. Hopefully we can uh, complete the double against them, lads. That's what we'll be hoping for, won't we? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, thank you everyone for listening. And up the blues. Up the blues. Cheers. Cheers.